I'm a sucker for a good story. Anybody that knows me knows I love a good story. I love to hear a good story. I love to tell a good story. And I came across one that you may have heard before because uh, when I was sharing it with someone else, they said, I think you read that on the Internet. And I said, no, I think I read it somewhere else, but it probably is. Uh, and if you forward me stuff, well, I'm just going to tell you, I may or may not read it. I don't know. You know, but sometimes they're good. Or, or sometimes uh, I have one friend who says, I don't try to forward you much, but when I do, you need to read it because it's really cool and I know you like stories. There was a young lady. Uh, her name was Susan. She's 34 years old. And Susan lost her sight due to a medical uh, a, a, a misdiagnosis. Uh, a mistake was made, and she lost almost all of her vision. This was devastating to her and sent her into a deep depression because she was a very independent woman, very spirited, very, uh, very capable, uh, and now she couldn't function. Her husband, Mark, suffered right alongside her. He, he just so loved his wife. They were newlyweds, and uh, he was determined, I'm going to help her make this transition. I'm going to do whatever I can do uh, to make sure she can uh, find again, rediscover all those skills needed so that she could return to independent living, so that she could be the woman that God had designed her to be. So after months and months of just really working with her closely and helping her to figure out how to do things, um, one day Susan decided... I think I'm ready to go back to work. I, I, think I, I think I can do this. So every day, her husband, Mark, who was uh, an Air Force officer, would drive his wife to work. Uh, he would walk her into the office building, you know, up the elevator, get her at her desk, uh, get everything, you know, kind of settled. And then he would leave. He would go across town to his base he would work all day. At the end of the day, he would come back and just do everything in reverse. He would pick her up and, you know, bring her back home. And that went on for several weeks. Uh, but they got to this place, and you, you're probably thinking what I'm thinking. Wow, reasons of, you know, distance and cost and just the, the time. They couldn't keep doing this. They couldn't keep doing it that way. So Mark told Susan, baby, you got you to gotta learn how to take the bus. She froze. She said, Mark, I can't, I can't do it. How can I, I can't ride the bus. I, 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 I'm blind. I, how am I going to do that? I don't know how many stairs there are. I don't know where to get off and how to count the stops and to get in. And, just, and just, she just began to kind of shut down. And then she looked at Mark and said, I feel like you're abandoning me. And just as he had done from the very beginning of this, Mark promised I'm going to do whatever I've got to do to help you until you feel confident, until you feel independent to ride that bus. So he helped her with the routes. He helped her memorize the stairs and the path and every detail. Finally, after two weeks of practice, Susan got up on a Monday morning and she said, I think I'm ready to do this journey alone. In the events that are outlined in the passage we're going to look at today, I think that Jacob felt a little like 
Susan felt on that Monday morning. If you remember, Jacob is, he's kind of a homeboy. You know, he, he doesn't like to get out. He's not your wild at heart, adventuresome kind of guy. He's the guy that just sort of hangs around the house. You know, he, he, he wants to stay there. But now, where we're going to pick up on the story, Jacob is on the run. His brother Esau was tricked. Uh, you remember from our message a couple of weeks ago, and now uh, Jacob feels like, I've got to get out of Dodge. And so he takes off, and he, and he runs. He's, he's, he's running from his brother because Esau threatened him. He said, Jacob, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. So off he goes. And the text tells us that Jacob was headed for a place called Haran. And it's a place that God had actually told his grandfather Abraham uh, to leave. It's about 600 miles north of where Jacob lived in Beersheba. And it's a journey that would, in that day, take maybe about a month. So here's Jacob. He's all alone. With every step he takes, he's looking over his shoulder. He's nervous. He's anxious. He knows my brother's going to show up at any time. And he's got this long, frightening journey ahead of him. His really shaky future. Uh, and he comes to this place to rest, to stop for the night. And he beds down in this desolate, rocky, uh, hilly country. Maybe... Maybe you find yourself sometimes, maybe today, in places like Jacob. You're stuck in this dark, lonely night. And everything feels so uncertain. Maybe this week you'll go to your first AA meeting. Or maybe you've got an appointment with the attorney this week. You might be watching this on our Ustream from a hospital room. Or maybe you'll go home today after church to an empty house. Or you just received the pink slip. Or it seems that you always find yourself stuck in this, this endless cycle of depression. All of these places are desolate places, dark places. Maybe... Maybe like Jacob, it's your own fault. Maybe it is. Or maybe it's not. Maybe you've been victimized. I, I, I don't know. But I know this, for many people sitting here this morning, you could whisper, I'm in a dark place. And I'm scared. And I feel so alone feel like I'm all by myself in this. But you're not. You're not. Okay, Susan. We kind of left Susan at the bus stop. Uh, Susan made her way to work on her own every day for a week. And on Friday morning, uh, she's stepping onto the bus and she's ready to pay her fare. Her confidence levels come up some. And the bus driver says, excuse me, ma'am. Yes? I just want to tell you, 
I just envy you. Susan said, are you talking to me? He goes, yes, I'm talking to you. You envy me. Why, why would you say that? What, what do you mean by that? And the bus driver said, well, I've been watching you. And he said, every morning for the, the, the past week, you know, you, you get on my bus. And he says, there is this good-looking gentleman in a military uniform. And he's been standing just across the way on the corner. And he watches you. Every day when you get on the bus, when you get off the bus, when you enter your office building, he never takes his eyes off you. And he said, I, I love the part when you step into the building, he blows you a kiss, he gives you a salute, and he goes on his way. He said, you, young lady, very, very lucky woman. For Jacob, it happened like this. It was on this dark night, Jacob had a dream. And the drama of this story uh, is recorded in, in Genesis. Genesis chapter 28 and verse 10. The Bible says, Jacob left Beersheba and he went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and he stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and he lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached into heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And your offspring, the whole world's going to be blessed from those he had this dream, and I want you to look at this in your imagination. It's a stairway to heaven. And I wanted to sing this because any guy my age should know every word by heart. And if not, I'm a little suspicious of you. He, there was this stairway to heaven, and you can, you can see this. There's, there's one end resting on the earth, and the other end reaches all the way into to heaven. And you can look, see, there are these angels of God and they're, they're ascending and they're descending. They're going up and down this, this ladder, this stairway. And the Bible says, and above it, and literally it means above him, right, right over Jacob where he looks up. And the Bible says that he sees the Lord standing there. And I'll tell you what I think about that. I think any time you see a pre-incarnate image of God where the Bible says, and they saw God, the, the visible expression of God, the physical expression of God is, yeah, King Jesus. So Jacob, he sees this ladder and he sees angels going up and then he, then he looks up to the top and there stands Jesus. And he's there in that place with Jacob. 
God had fixed his love on Jacob just like God fixes his love on you. And Jacob's going to learn on this night what is still true for those of us who follow Christ, for those whom God blesses. No matter where your life takes you, God is always with you. No matter where my life takes me, God is always with me. No matter where my life takes me, God is always with me. Would you just say that with me? No matter where my life takes me, God is always with me. God was with Jacob that night. I don't know a lot about dreams. They're curious, aren't they? I mean, I'm interested in them. I have really vivid dreams. Uh, and I can remember detail and color and things. It kind of fascinates Kathy. Uh, she just has short dreams. And she's just, you know, she's celebrating. I remember part of my dream. And you were in it and we were somewhere. It was awesome. I remember that, you know. And I remember, you know, it's just in this dream. And I don't know what dreams are, really. I think they're kind of windows into our heads. You know, I think it's, it's our way to unpack the day, uh, to mentally, emotionally process or to debrief all those thoughts and those random things that come together because aren't dreams weird? You have weird dreams, you know, and sometimes just regular dreams. Um, Jacob dreamed that night, but this dream was so different because this dream was a window into another dimension. This dream, and in this dream, he saw a reality that we're not every day during the day equipped to see. And it's this. God is actually near us. God is with us. And we say that. You know, I hear Christians say that. I say that. God be with you. Or, yeah, God was with me today. And, wow, the Lord was really with me in that. You know, and, and I think it almost becomes one of those things Christians like to say, you know, just one of, one of our cliches. Uh, but, but what we want to look at today is the fact that God's presence is really, really, it, it's true. It, he's really with us. Now, what Jacob thought, and this is kind of interesting, Jacob thought he had stumbled onto this holy place. You know, he thought it was about the geography. J- Jacob thought, Nobody knows about this. I found this secret passage from heaven to earth. And you go there and you can jump, you know, you can, you can get to this other place. Uh, and he exclaims that in verse 17. He says, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gateway to heaven. And I know about it. I found it. But this stairway to heaven was really just there because Jacob was there. This is the part he's going to figure out. The stairway was there because Jacob was there and God was with Jacob. It wasn't about that place. It was about that God. It was about him. Do you remember um, when Jesus was choosing his disciples and he met Nathaniel? And as, when he met him, uh, Nathaniel was astonished by the fact that Jesus said, Oh, yeah, you're the guy I saw under the tree before I met you. He goes, oh, you saw me under the tree? Yeah, I saw that. How did you do that? I mean, it just, Jesus says, I can do things like that. In fact, this exchange is found in John chapter 1, verse uh, 49. Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, 
You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered, answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? I think Jesus kind of said this like this. You're going to see greater things than these. <laughs> like, like we, we haven't even gotten started yet. You're not going to believe what comes next. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, look at this. You will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Does that sound familiar? He was describing to him. He says, you're going to have your own little Jacob's Ladder kind of experience. He said, God's going to be with you. And when you see this happening, I just want to affirm to you, Nathaniel, everything's different now. God's going to be with you. And you're going to see proof that Jesus is greater than Jacob. Jesus is greater than all your ancestors and all those people. And what's more, the rest of the, whole, the New Testament just talks to us and shows us how Jesus, don't you get this is like a huge theological and personal truth for you, Jesus became the ladder that leads straight from God to us. The text speaks of the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. God's stairway to heaven to you is because of the fact that Jesus is with you. Jesus is the bridge from heaven to earth. It's Him. It's Him. He's the reason the Bible says in Hebrews 4, 15, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with us. Somebody who, he, does, he doesn't get that with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect, just like us, has been tempted as we are, but he did it without sin. So let us draw near, let us approach with confidence near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace and with help. There'll be help with this when the, in the times that we need it. He says we can always mount those stairs. You can always get on that ladder uh, to God's throne and you can do that boldly. Now we know from both these texts that God's angels travel this stairway uh, to your life. But I was kind of puzzled about angels. You remember a few years ago, everybody was all about angels? And, it's, and it kind of revolves. It's kind of a faddish thing in the church. You know, we get all about demons for a while. And we see demons everywhere. And we kind of walk around like, I think there's a demon. And, and then we say, I think there's an angel. You know, there's some truth to that, even though it's been sensationalized or, or kind of twisted by Hollywood and, and authors and novels and all of that. But the fact is, uh, as I puzzle over these guys or these beings, I think, was that just for show? Was that just some kind of a you know, thing in his dream? No, I don't think so. I believe that there are messengers and servants of God uh, for this world. And I think they're in this world. I think I see one right now behind you. Now, uh, angels in disguise had been the, you know, they had been God's messengers of hope to Jacob's grandfather, Abraham. In Abraham's day, angels were the ones who delivered Lot and his family from Sodom and Gomorrah. I think the angels that Jacob saw on the stairs were angels that God had dispatched to, to guard his life. Now, 20 years later, when you fast forward, and we're going to look at this in a, in a couple of weeks, when Jacob finally separates, he gets away from his uncle Laban, who's a lot like his sister Rebecca, uh, and you, you'll see that when we get to Genesis 32, verse 1 and 2. The text says, 
Jacob also went on his way, and the angels of God met him. Consider also Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12, where it says, God will command his angels to guard you in all your ways, and they'll lift you up so that they're their hands so that you will not strike your foot uh, against a stone. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent out to the sake, for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Who's that? That's us. That's you. That, that's, that's me. God sent his angels to protect and to guide Jacob. I think he does that for you. I think he does that for me, just like he did for Jacob. I'll put it this way. Uh, God himself watches over you from the top of those stairs that those angels go up and down on. You know, it, it's, and the, the text says, there stood the Lord right over him. There stood the Lord. Now, did God just happen to step into the moment? Did he just stroll up at just the right time? He's walking by the hole where the ladder is and goes, Jake, see you. Ooh, I see you. I see you. No. He was standing there. The Bible says he's planted there. He's consistent and he's steady in our life. Psalm 139 says, Oh, Lord, you have known me. You've searched me. You know when I sit down. You know when I rise up. You perceive my thoughts from real far away. You discern my going out and my, my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is even on my tongue, you know what I'm going to say next. The Lord who stands at the top of these stairs speaks to Jacob in verses 13 and 14. Uh, here's, here's what he says. He says, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord your God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. I mean, this is, a, this is great as huge as this vision of God was, you know, in, in this dream, uh, there are these promises spoken into Jacob's life that are even greater gift. And these particular promises are what identified Jacob as the man through whom God would build this great nation and from whom Messiah would come one day. Now, I want you to notice God's promise. Then in, in verse 15... He says, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised with you. He said, I'm, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to watch over you wherever you go. And, and, and I think this, this first phrase, I'm with you, promises God's presence. And then this second phrase, and I'll watch over you, assures us of God's protection. We have his presence and we have his protection wrapped up in that one little sentence. And I don't think there is any other truth in the whole Bible that's repeated more. It's like this constant theme that runs all through Scripture from the beginning to the end. And that's this, God is with you. God is with you everywhere you go. It's what God told uh, Jacob's father, Isaac. It's what God would tell Jacob's son, Joseph. It's what God told Moses when he sent Moses to deliver uh, Egypt, uh, deliver Israel from Egypt. 
And it's what God told the children of Israel when he led them out. It's what God told Joshua when it was his duty and his turn now to to lead into the promised land. It's what God told Gideon when he faced this Midianite army that's so big he can't even count everybody. It's what God promised to these, uh, these chastened Israelites, these Israelis in their exile. It's what God promises. In fact, it's what God promised his disciples. He said this, Surely I'm with you always, even up to the very end of the age. And then Paul echoes this in Romans 8. He says this. I love this verse. It's probably familiar for a lot of you. He says, I'm convinced. I'm absolutely... Paul, sometimes Paul says, I kind of think this, or this seems... This one, he says, I know, this is one thing I got. I got this. Neither life, nor death, nor angels, or demons... Neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is what God promises you. This is our blessing. When he first gave this to Aaron, uh, and, and he said this, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turns his face to you. And he gives you peace. Don't you love that? Now, there's one more promise I want you to see from verse 15. He says this. He says, and I will bring you back to this land. It took 20 years. But God did bring Jacob home. And Jacob is the one who kept delaying things. God will keep his promise, but you can, you can cause that promise to keep getting put off uh, by all the things that we do. As many years later, you know, Jacob, he's going to die in Egypt, but his sons honored their vow. And the Bible says they brought his bones home to the land that God promised. Now, we have a better staircase than Jacob ever saw. Uh, We have this, uh, a better promised land than Jacob ever thought about. We have this promise that no matter where life takes you, God's going to be with you. And God's going to bring you home. God's going to bring you home. And for us, it's not just the holy land of Israel. It's not just that dirt. But it's what John saw in in Revelation chapter 21 when he said, And I saw the bride of of heaven, you know, descending. And I saw new heaven and a new earth. And the old things were done away with. And and I, John, saw these things. It's, It's our promised land. I love C.S. Lewis, and I love this, verse, this, this thing he said. He said, if I find myself, in myself, a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. This is not our home. That's why some of you are so frustrated with life, because you think this is home, and you keep trying to make this feel like home. It's never going to. We have a promised land better than what Jacob's is. Look in verse 16 to 22. He says this, "Then, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Sometimes I think God's in this room, and you walk out, and you didn't even know it. You didn't get it. And he was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place. There is none other. This is none other than the house of God. This 
is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head, and he set it up for a pillar, and he poured oil on the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, or Bethel. But the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I will go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I may come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I've set up for a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give a full tenth back to you. Wow. Sounds like Jacob uh, is starting to get serious uh, about his faith. He offers this vow of service to God and this worship to God. And this, this vow, it sounds a little... Well, the first time I read this, I thought, Jacob's kind of hedging his bets. He's like, okay, if you do this, I'll do this. Here's the deal. Let's kind of let's understand the terms. And, you know, you're going to come through. And, and if you do, then I'm going to do this. And I think some of us pray like that sometimes, right? Well, God, if you'll, just, if you'll help me through this test, if you'll get me that job, if you'll get me that guy, that girl, that then I'm going to... You know what I'm going to do then? Lord, if you get me out of this mess... I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to, I'll tithe. I'll, I'll do whatever. I don't think it was that way. Even though at first blush, it sort of feels like that. I think it was just his heart's response. I think Jacob is beginning to wake up spiritually to what God is doing in his life. God kept his word to Jacob, and Jacob kept his vow. What about you? Given God's great promises to you, uh, I think there needs to come this crossroads, this place where we vow, God, you're going to be my God. We sang about it just a couple of songs ago. We said, Lord, from now through eternity, you're the one for me. And that's it. I'm going to sing your praises from now on. Not for a little while, not for seasons of my life, not when things get tough and then when things are good and I kind of go, yeah, I start drifting away. No, God, you're the one. You're the one for me. Like Jacob, vow never to forget just how near that the Lord is to you. I think sometimes if you could just close your eyes and remember how near those stairs of God are and how his angels guard us and how closely God watches us and is with us and remember all of his promises when you're in those desolate and dark places of life especially when he said, I'm with you, I'm going to watch over you wherever you go. Vow to God, God, I'm going to give you the credit. I'm not going to take that myself. I'm not going to steal that from you. You've given me a lot of care, and everything that you give me, I'm going to see just as that. It's, it's from you. It's a gift from you. The safety for my journey, all the things that you've, you've let me have, you know, the material things, the spiritual things, the relationships. Lord, all of this is from you. And, and you protect me from danger. Give him the glory for always being your spiritual home. For this promise that one day he's going to take you into this bright land that is so far beyond our imagination. And we all speculate and we all wonder, what's it going to be like? He's promised to. i, I got to tell you, I like what Jacob did. He vowed to give God a tribute, a tithe. Boy, my pastor's heart's real tempting to say, okay, 
Let's just stop and talk about tithing for a little while. That would be so easy, but it's right there. You can see it off and on all throughout Scripture. And some of you say, well, we're freed up from the Old Testament law. This was not a law. He didn't do this out of law. He did it out of his heart. He said, oh, God, I just I want to do something. And a tenth of my time, a tenth of my income doesn't sound like so much after all you've done for me and all that you continue to do. I'm indebted to you and to your love. You're my king. That'll be easy. I, um, as you can tell, work out quite a bit. I get a lot of comments. There's this, there's this machine at the gym. I absolutely hate it. It's called Jacob's Ladder. You see it? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you have been on that hideous thing. I know you have, brother, because you, you're a beast. Uh, I got on it for the very first time. And if you ever go up to a machine and you don't exactly know how to work it, but you don't want to look like the newbie or a novice, like, how do you get on that thing? And where, where, how do you pull? What do you do? You know? So I just I kind of hang out and I watch other people and I figure it out. But Jacob's ladder, I realized, okay, you pull the, the cord out and you wrap it around and you get on it. And what it is, it's an incline and it's like a conveyor belt, but it's got wooden rings, uh, rungs, you know, like a ladder, all, and, and it just revolves. And you get on, you start climbing. It looks so simple. It looks so easy. Well, the first time I got on, I thought, wow, that looks pretty good. I think that you get like an everything kind of workout. So I get on it. And just as I get on one side, there's, there's a couple of them there together. This young lady gets on the one next to me. She's probably in her mid-20s, looks like an Olympic athlete. <laughs> and she gets on and she starts climbing. I'm like, mm-hmm, and I start climbing. And I start off just like guys, just like guys. I'm like, oh, shoo, I got my headphones in. Eh, this is so easy. I am such an... And after about four minutes, I think, well, I've been on here a day, you know, <laughs> six hours, I should get off. And I look down, it's four minutes, and then I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. And she's just going, doo, 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 you know, just like she's... And I think, oh, and then this thing comes up in me, you know, just like it, this pride. And I'm stuck because I can't get off till she gets off. <laughs> right? So I keep going. I'm slowing down. Six minutes. <laughs> when is she going to get off? Eight minutes. And I'm starting to shake. I can feel my thighs are shaking, my arms are shaking. I'm up to ten minutes. And then I notice a little trickle of sweat right there on her. And I think, yes, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you <know? laughs> break her down, Lord. Break her down. I finally had to do the next thing that guys do in a, in a situation like that. I roll off the machine, I get off, and I go like this. <laughs> right? I go, oh, man, like, what did I do? Yeah, I think, I'll go do something else. I, kinda, I think I hurt my leg or my knee or ankle or foot or something, you know, and, and limp away like a loser. <laughs> because I'm trying to do something in my effort I can't do. And some of you have been trying your whole life to climb up to God. And God, I'm going to get there. And I'm going to be good. And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do that. You will never climb up to God. All of your righteousness, he says, just like filthy rags. You're never going to do it. We were in D.C. last week and we went to the National Cathedral, which is absolutely amazing. Beautiful, beautiful work. but so cold. 
it's like a museum. There's no life. And we went to this church, it's a very liberal church. One of the things they, they noted about me is that I had a Bible and that I used the Bible so much and that I actually believed the Bible. That was a curiosity to them. People would invite me to eat breakfast with them just so they could find out more about what I thought and why. And at the end of that, I told my son, because he saw the disconnect. He said, Dad, it's all just so... I said, Son, that, this, what you see, is religion. That's man, that's woman, trying to climb up to God. Never getting. We don't have to anymore. Oh, Jesus has done everything that's necessary. He's made the climb. And he was crucified on the cross. And he arose. Everything that is needed for your salvation has been done. You don't have to climb anymore. It's a relationship with him. And just like Jacob inherited the birthright just like he was blessed and just stepped into that land of blessing based on the promises of God you can step into Christ if you're if you're there but you've gotten off the path you've gotten off the journey you're, you're you don't see the ladder God is still with you he's with you wherever you go because Jesus is the ladder he's the bridge would you stand and let's just pray for a moment together, please. Um, it may be today. I, I don't know how this is going to play out, and I, I struggled for where to land. You may need to make a vow. God, you're my God. You are the Lord, and you're the one I'm going to serve. You may need to make a vow. God, I've never tithed in my life. I've never trusted you that much. I've kept a hundred out of a hundred pennies and every dollar. And God, I'm ready to give you ten pennies back out of every dollar. And, I, and I'll, I'll make that commitment. Some of you just need to be reminded, you just need to be affirmed, oh Lord, you haven't left me. And this week, this month, this year looks hard. Maybe the hardest place you've ever been, maybe the loneliest or the darkest place, God is with you. And you just need to know that.